If you have your Bible, um, please turn to Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to be reading Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 through 24. Folks, give ear. This is God's word. Now this I say, and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They've become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus to put off your old self which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. This is God's word. Amen indeed. Well, tis the season for New Year's resolutions. Right? Have you made yours yet? Um, you know, lots of people make resolutions. Um, some years I do, some years I don't. This year I am making some resolutions. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. Um, but every year, if you do some research, even on the at the Rose Parade yesterday, they had a little thing where you could text in what is your New Year's resolution. If you do the research and figure out what are the top resolutions that people make, they're pretty much the same every year. I did some research, and so usually uh, they tend to be, I want to lose weight and get in shape. It's usually in the top five. I want to save money and get out of debt. I want to quit smoking. I want to volunteer to help others. I want to spend more time with family and friends. Then you think about even in the church, or spiritually speaking, there's people who commit, okay, I'm going to go back to church. And maybe you're here because of some kind of resolution. You know what, new year, new start. I'm going to come back to church I'm going to get back in line with God, or I'm going to commit to reading the Bible again. Um, These are all the kinds of resolutions that come every year. And resolutions, they can be great things. They can be great things. My biggest problem with resolutions is that they're hard to keep. (laughs) You know? Uh, Last year, I was looking over my sermon from last year uh, at this time, and I said in last year's sermon, you know, the only thing more common than a New Year's resolution is a broken New Year's resolution, which, if you think about it, doesn't make sense, but it sounds good, so there you go. Um, You know, for me, I make a resolution, and usually after one week, I'm having trouble remembering to think about the fact that I made a New Year's resolution, right? I mean, the idea of starting new habits and stopping old habits is difficult, right? It's not easy to do. It's hard. Um, And so, you know, it's funny because we try new stuff. I mean, do you feel this way? We try to act differently to do different things. The tragedy is that the statistics that list all the resolutions also tell us that 92% of New Year's resolutions get broken, depressing is that 92 percent 80 percent of people who make resolutions don't even get past valentine's day man and so we give up you know and then we feel guilty right and what's almost worse than the guilt is the hopelessness right we start losing hope 
And that's not just with New Year's resolutions, but you know, we begin to think that at any time of the year, things are never going to change. Right? Do you feel that way? No matter what we do, we are never going to change. We're never going to grow. Things are never going to get better. Now, this struggle, it's not unique to us. Okay, we're not the first group of people to struggle with the problem of wanting to change and not being able to. God knows exactly how this dynamic works, and he actually shows us how to change in this passage in Ephesians. Okay, And, and here's the main point of the passage that we just read that we're going to look at and walk through it. Here's the main point, though. You can't change what you do until you change who you are. Okay, that's something to write down. You can't change what you do unless you change or until you change who you are. And so what we need, what you need, is not a New Year's resolution. You need a new you resolution. Okay? You need to be a new you. That's what you need. And so this passage introduces you to the possibility and the reality of a new you. Let me say it another way. This passage describes an extreme gospel makeover. Okay? How many of you have seen the show Extreme Makeover Home Edition? Right? Ty Pennington, the crew comes in. It's amazing. This show, there's people who talk about, oh, it's excessive and it's materialistic. Let's put that aside just for now. And let's look at the wonder of what goes on on this show. They find a family... Who has a t- uh, who's got this incredibly tragic story, and part of the tragedy involves the, their living situation. And so Ty Pennington and his team of builders, they come in, and they, they, the home makeover team, in seven days, destroys their old house and builds them this new one that is beautiful and amazing. That is an amazing picture of what Paul is describing in this passage. In this passage, God is saying that what we need is a gospel makeover. We need a transformation that is as radical personally as the homes are on that television show. And it's this makeover, it's this gospel makeover that changes who we are so that we can change what we do. Okay, and that's what we're going to look at today. We're going to look at this gospel makeover really in three ways today. So if you want to take notes, let me give you the three points. I'll give them to you up front. We're going to see first what the gospel makeover is. Second, when the gospel makeover happens. And then third, how the gospel makeover works. Okay, so what it is, when it happens, and how it works. Okay, so let's look first at what the gospel makeover is. In this passage, um, there's talk of the old self in verse 22, right? To put off your old self. And then there's the new self in verse 24. Put on the new self. These are sort of the before and after of the makeover. This passage describes these two selves, and they are so different from each other. They are so radically, they're, they're just polar opposites, and yet they have one thing in common. Each, they both do what they do because they are what they are. Okay? Both the old self and the new self do what they do because they are what they are. 
Okay? If you want to change, if you want to make good on a resolution, you can't change what you do until you change who you are. And in this passage, the old self, the new self, they, are, they do what they do because they are what they are. The old self, described, it's really described in verses 17 through 19. Let's just, we can summarize it. The old self is who you are and how you act without God. Okay? Verses 17 and 19 describe it. Verse 18 is really the heart of it. It's the heart of it. The old self, it says, is alienated from the life of God. You see that there? The the old self is alienated from the life of God. This is the core of the problem. When the Bible talks about sin, what it's trying to get across to us isn't that we should feel guilty and awful about ourselves. It's, it's not trying to beat us up. With the Bible, when the Bible talks about sin, the Bible is trying to tell us that the danger of sin is that it cuts us off from God. Okay? God is the source of love, the source of grace, of goodness and peace. And when we ignore him, when we um, go against him, what we're doing is we're cutting ourselves off from him. Okay? It's like in any relationship that you have. In the family, in the neighborhood, at work, if you cut yourself off from someone, if you ignore somebody, you are creating a wedge in your relationship and you will cut yourself off from them. Now, when we do that with God, we cut ourselves off, not only from Him, but from His love, from His grace, from His goodness, and His peace. Now, That's a big deal. If you're experiencing a lack of these things, it may be because you've cut yourself off from God. Because you've been ignoring Him in your life. Now, the the passage talks about why we tend to do this. It says sometimes uh, we do this out of ignorance. Sometimes we do it because we're angry or frustrated and we harden our hearts. Look at verse 18. They're alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. Okay, then sometimes we leave God, we cut ourselves off from Him because there's something in life that we want more than God. You know, sometimes we want security and we say, well, you know what, in order for me to feel safe and secure, you know what, I I need that more than I need God right now and so you do something. Um, We pursue comfort sometimes more than we pursue God. Sometimes we pursue a relationship in a way that causes us to cut ourselves off from God. We say, God, I don't want to think about you right now. I really need this badly, and so I'm going to ignore you for a while. Um, Sometimes we don't even think about it that intentionally. Um, What happens then is that our hearts begin to be filled with a kind of greediness, you know, because we're desperate for something. We're desperate for security or comfort, which aren't bad things. But the question is that if God is the source ultimately of these things, we shouldn't pursue those things apart from God. We shouldn't pursue those things in a way that would cut us off from him. We don't need to do that. But when we do that, we develop in our hearts a sort of neediness and a greediness that causes us to pursue what verse 19 describes as sensuality and a greediness to practice all kinds of impurity. Now, going back to the, uh, the home makeover show, 
it's such an amazing picture of what Paul's describing here in this passage. You know, um, the show begins by talking about how bad the family's old house is. Okay, the foundation's cracked. Or there's mold and there's mildew, there's missing fixtures, there's, there's uh, holes in the walls, there's termites. You know, and it's interesting because it would be embarrassing and mean, I think, to the family if all these bad living conditions were shown without the promise to fix it. Do you know what I mean? Like, what if there was a show that was kind of a shock show that would just go in and show you the worst possible living situations from all kinds of people that live in the world, and then when they were done, say, okay, see you later. That'd be awful, wouldn't it? Think about this. To put it another way, I think it's only the promise of the makeover that makes these families willing to have the camera crews come in and see all of the stuff that's wrong. Same thing's true for us. Paul speaks really hard. He says some hard things about what life is like apart from God. And I think it's only the promise of a gospel makeover. It's only the promise of God's grace and his kindness, his willingness to forgive and to, to transform us that give us the assurance that it's okay to admit that there are things in this passage that describe us. You know, we confess our sins every week in our service, not because we're gluttons for punishment or because we have this morose sense of guilt, but because the grace of God sets us free to admit the things that continue that we continue to struggle with. And it's because of God's assurance that he will forgive us. Right? You experience that in relationships, don't you? There's people that you know love you so much that it makes it easier for you to confess to them when you've hurt them because you know they're going to forgive you. It's the same thing that's true with God. It's the same thing that's true with God. And it's the promise of this sort of gospel transformation, this makeover that comes from the gospel that gives us the freedom to say, okay, you know what? Verse 19 describes portions of my own life. So the old self, this is who you are and how you act without God in your life when you're ignoring God. Now, the new self, verse 24, this is the person that you become when God's power comes over you and the gospel makeover does its work. Okay? It's who you are when Jesus comes into your life and God's spirit lives in you. Okay? Look at verse 24. It says, you put on the new self. It says it's created after the likeness of God. Created. It's created by God and after his likeness. You know, we, we have the phrase, like father, like son. Right? That's true with God. If God makes something, he makes it to look like himself. And so for us, the new self, it looks like him. Okay? It says that. Created in the likeness of God, or after the likeness of God, in true righteousness and holiness. Righteousness and holiness, that means that the new self is what God wants us to be. It's what our hearts, it's that version of us that is filled with God's grace and his power, that's filled with God's love and his forgiveness and his goodness. It's it's who we want to be, right? You think about your New Year's resolutions. You think about the areas where you would like to grow. 
you imagine yourself being a more loving person, a more understanding person. You imagine yourself being a more forgiving person or a wiser person. You, you, you imagine yourself being more self-controlled. And, and in any way that those things flow into concrete, I want to change this, I want to change that, I want to stop this or start that, right? Your new self, your new self is that version of you that is those things. Okay, your new self does all the things that you want to do. And it doesn't do those things you don't want to do. And so this is the before and the after of the gospel makeover. Okay? Um, both the old self and the new self, they do what they do because they are what they are. Old self alienated from God. So there's, there's, there's life that flows from that that looks like it's been separated from God and from who he is. The new self is, um, is, is connected to God, created by God. It's after the likeness of God and it does the things that look like God. Okay, and so again, if you want to grow, if you want to change, you need a new you. You need to be this new self. And so it's the key. The new self is the key to changing what you do because it's changing who you are. So that's our first point, the what of the gospel makeover. Um, the second point is when the gospel makeover happens. When the gospel makeover happens. <clears throat> This passage says that the makeover happens when people believe in Jesus. Okay, look at verses 20 and 21. Paul describes the old self. And he says, but this is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have learned about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. And you were taught, you kind of need to combine... Um, verse 21 and then 22 and 24. So you were taught in him, verse 21. Verse 22, you were taught to put off the old self. And then verse 24, you were taught to put on the new self. Okay, so let me, let me step back here. When people believe in Jesus, what they're doing, the, the idea of saying, I believe in Jesus, means you are committing to follow him. You're saying, Jesus is going to be my Lord, my King, my, the authority in my life. That's what you're committing to. And as you do that, you're saying, and I, I need his death to pay for my sins. I need his forgiveness and his grace. But to believe in Jesus means to commit to him. And when you do that, when you do that, um, when these people did that, they were bringing their old self to him. When you do that, when you commit to Jesus, you, you come to Jesus not by trying to fix your old self, but you come with your old self and you confess, Jesus, this is who I am. This is what is in me. This is what I've done. You confess those things to him and then you trust him to be the one who saves people from their sins. Okay? Now, Romans 6 is a parallel passage to this and it actually says the same thing but with a different metaphor. Um, in Romans 6, verse 6, Paul says this. It's really, I mean, same language, different metaphor. Paul says, um, For we know that our old self, right, same thing, our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. That's good news. Our old self was crucified with him 
so that we would no longer be slaves of sin. In our passage in Ephesians, the metaphor is that of a coat. It's like a garment that you put on, you take off. And the idea that Paul is saying here is that you've been taught, as you've come to Jesus, as you've put your trust in him, you've taken off the old coat. And you've put on a new coat. So you've taken off your old sinful self, that self that's cut off from God. And you've been given a new suit. You've been given a new garment, but not just a new garment that covers you and can't fix what's inside, right? But you've actually been given a new self. It's a new self. You've put on the new man, the new self. You've put on Christ. And that is what makes you righteous and holy. In the ancient world, when somebody believed in Jesus, the next step would be that they would come for baptism. They would, they, they would come and they would be publicly baptized. And they had a ritual that went along with it that I was trying to think, man, we should do this too. They actually were given an old garment to wear and they would come with the old garment. They would take off that old garment, step into the waters, They'd be baptized. The Spirit would be poured out over them. And then they would come out and they would give them a new garment to wear. Just an amazing way to picture the reality of what it means to believe in Jesus. This is what happens. You put off the old self and you put on the new self when you believe in Jesus. When you believe in Jesus. Now, I know that there are people here who are Christians who have believed in Jesus and you didn't know this happened to you. You didn't know that you put off your old self. You weren't aware of that until right now. And even right now, I know some of you are struggling because you're thinking, well, (laughs) that's what he says, but I'm not sure if I experienced that. And I know there's others of you who are Christians who have known that this is true and yet have gotten to the place where you don't believe it anymore because you're still struggling under the old self. You still feel like you haven't put that old self off. You feel like you're carrying around that old self and that, in fact, you are the old self. Paul knew that this was going to be difficult for people to come to grips with. Paul knew that some people would not readily believe what he's saying. That's why he put in this passage emphasis. Look at verse 17. He says, Now this I say and testify in the Lord. This I say, and testify in the Lord. The word testify there, that is Paul calling on his office as an apostle. He does this a few times in this book, because he reali- in this letter, because he realizes that some of what he says is not going to be received readily. People are going to struggle with it, they're going to doubt it, they're not going to believe it. And Paul has to invoke his authority. He is an apostle of Jesus. He was appointed personally. Jesus came to him and said, Paul, I need you to go and preach this message. And so, in a sense, Paul is saying in verse 17, Look, I get this is going to be tough, so I want you to know that I am declaring this to you. I am testifying. (laughs) I solemnly swear that the testimony I give (laughs) 
is the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help me, God, as an apostle of Jesus Christ, I am declaring this to you. That you have learned Christ. You've heard about him. You were taught in him to put off your old self and to put on the new self. When you believe, this is what happens. If you're not experiencing that right now, that's what we're going to get to in our third point. Let me just, um, one more point on the when of this. It happens when we believe. Look at verse 24. Because again, it says, it's created. The new self is created after the likeness of God. And so the new self is created by God. It's God's work that does this. And I love this because it highlights the grace of God and his sovereign power to change us and to make us new. Um, Think back to the Extreme Home Makeover show, right? During the seven-day home makeover, what happens to the family? Does Ty say, all right, we're going to do this home makeover for you. Here's a hammer. Get to work. And as soon as you do your part, then we will evaluate your work, and if it's good enough, we'll then do our part. No. It's not. If you've ever seen the show, Ty comes to him and says, you have been chosen. We have chosen you because we want to be kind to you. We want to be gracious to you. And so here's what we're going to do. Now you go on vacation. The family is sent away for seven days. They, they pile them into a, a limo or whatever, some kind of SUV thing. They pile them in there and they send them off. I think they usually go to Walt Disney World. And so this family is, you know, thousands of miles away, typically, enjoying a vacation while the renovation happens, while the transformation takes place. The same thing is true for us. We don't earn this transformation. We don't have any part in the creation of the new self. It is done by God. We can't fix ourselves. Okay? We can try to change what we do. We cannot change who we are. We cannot change ourselves. And so what God does is he sends us to the cross so that we can see what he did with our old self. He nails our old self to the cross with Jesus. And then he sends us to the empty tomb so that we can see that Jesus overcame our sin and has emerged victorious from the grave, lives forever, and he is our new self. He, it's, it's him that we put on. And when we believe on the authority of what the scripture says, what the apostle himself says, when you believe, that's what happens to you. Your old self was put off and your new self has been put on. Amen. So that brings us to our third point because we got to ask and answer the question how the makeover works. How do we actually put this into practice? Okay, how do we experience this? Um, because again, if you're like me, um, there are times when I don't act like the new self. There are times where, I mean, according to this picture, I must go out and find my old self, grab it, pick it back up, and put it back on. 
right? There are times when, um, yeah, when I don't look like this new self created according to the image of God in true righteousness and holiness. So what gives? What's the key to making this work, to actually experiencing this in our lives? The key is verse 23. Verse 23, right in between the putting off of the old and putting on the new. Verse 23 says, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. This is the key. And I love this because so many people think that becoming a Christian means to close your mind, to stop thinking. And that's, that couldn't be farther from the truth. Paul says that the key to being and, and to experiencing this new self is to actually not close your mind, but to transform your mind, to let your mind be renewed. He says, be renewed in the spirit of your minds. In Romans 12, 2, Paul says, be transformed by the renewing of your minds. And so the key for us to experiencing this is it's the way that we think. In the Proverbs, it says, As someone thinks in their hearts, so are they. And so what's interesting is that, again, for a lot of you, you may not have known that this happened to you. I mean, it's interesting because this whole passage, the the key is it's learning, it's understanding, and it's, it's in order to experience. Verse 21 Look at that, or verse 20. That is not the way you learned Christ. There's learning that needs to take place in becoming a believer. You put your faith in Jesus, and that's the beginning. Right? Now you need to learn what it means to believe in Jesus. You need to learn what God has done in response to your faith in Jesus. Okay, so you learn Christ. Verse 21, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. Right? All, these, all these things about, uh, about learning, about, uh, about how knowledge um, affects our experience. Our mind gets renewed, really, through practice. Okay? If you want to be renewed according to the spirit of your mind, it takes practice. Okay? What do you practice? Well, you practice what this passage says. Now, when I say practice, I mean the practice of thinking differently the practice of renewing your mind, okay? Um, What this takes, you need to stay filled with this truth. Let's do an exercise here. Paul says that your old self is who you are apart from God, alienated from God. Can you just think real quickly, like what are one or two things that you do that show the old self in your life? Okay, just think about that for a second. Maybe it's, well, I'm really quick to get angry. I get frustrated. Um, maybe it's stuff I'm looking at on the internet. Uh, maybe it's the way I handle particular relationships. I mean, think about what's one or two things that is a manifestation of your old self. Okay? Now I want you to think about what does the new self look like? What has been your experience? Okay? If you're a Christian... What is it? In what ways have you experienced the new self? Okay, like just think about it. So it's, 
well, you know what? I've seen that I've, I've actually grown in this area of loving this person. And I'm loving this person in a way I never did before. Or I've seen my patience level grow. Okay, I want you to think about those two concrete things that you do that reflect both the old self and the new self. Now, the way that you need, the way that you renew your mind, the way that you can do this and experience this is you say, okay, these old things, the Bible says, I have put these things off. In such a way that they don't control me anymore. Just think about that for a second. I have put these, I've put this old self, the part of me that produces these actions, I've actually put that person off to the place where I don't have to do these things anymore. I choose to, but I don't have to. I'm not enslaved anymore. When you think about that, does that give you a sense of, hey, wait a second, I really am separated from that person? Does that give you a little bit of a sense? I know we're sitting in a church. Well, we're sitting in a theater that is a church. But we're sitting here, and it's a lot easier here than when you're in the moment. I get that. But just now, thinking about the fact that I've put these old things off, does that change a little bit about how you perceive your relationship to those old things? It does for me. It does for me because I realize, you know what? These are part of my old self, and I've put this old self off. According to Romans 6, that old self died with Jesus. That makes me think, wow, okay, so that old self doesn't have control over me anymore. Now come over here, the new self. When you think about the fact that you have put on the new self, that there is this new creation that has come upon you um, that produces the good things that you see in your life. When you think about the fact, wait a second, I've put on this new self and I do certain things that show that I've put on this new self. Um, When you think about that, does that cause a desire to continue to do those things to well up in you? Do you have a stronger desire to be the new self when you think about the new self? When you think about the fact that you have put on the new self, that God has done this radical makeover while you were off, right? Without you, God has done this to you. He's put the old self off. And he's put a new self on. When you think about old self, new self, that's part of renewing the spirit of your mind. That's how you do it. You tell yourself, you rehearse what the Bible says is true. You rehearse, wait a second, I have... So I'm talking about in the morning, tomorrow morning, when you wake up, you get your Bible out or you get your bullets out if you don't have a Bible and you turn to this passage and you say, I have learned Christ and put off my old self and I have put on my new self. You go through that exercise. This is a way to preach the gospel to yourself. where you are reminding yourself of the truth of what God has done in your life. When you do that, your mind is renewed. And as your mind is renewed, in the Bible, the mind and the heart go together. Your heart is renewed. You will desire the, the, the things of the new self 
That's how you do it. You remind yourself that, wait a minute, I'm, I, I believe in Jesus. And then you begin to dwell on the implications. So what else does the new self look like in my life? What does the new self look like at the office? What does the new self look like with my spouse, with my kids? What does the new self look like, um, you know, in every area of my life? I mean, you can just pick one every day. Just think about it. And as you do that, that's the process of renewing your mind. And it's not a mind game. Okay, it's different from a mind game because a mind game tells you or the power of positive thinking. That's tell yourself stuff that's true. Tell yourself stuff that may or may not be true in hopes that if you believe it hard enough, it'll be true. Paul is saying here that God has done something miraculous because of Jesus in the life of every person who is trusting in Jesus. And if you dwell on that truth your mind will be renewed and you will experience this. <clears throat> Just one really quick illustration. Um, we've had two people in the last three weeks had their car stolen, part of Harbor, um, just downtown, uptown, uh, which is kind of interesting. Um, one of the folks that had her car stolen, she had a little tiny car and it got stolen. She was given a rental car from her insurance company, and she's driving around in this giant suburban-type car, okay? So she's making these adjustments, and it's funny because this is what she told me. She said, you know, part of my commute is coming back up Texas out of Mission Valley to come back into North Park, okay? And if you know that, you're talking about a really steep hill that's pretty long, long, steep hill. And she says, in my old car, I'm typically, like, flooring it and doing about 25 miles an hour, riding up the hill. And she said this. She said, you know what? I caught myself because I was driving in this new car that's got a V8, you know, up Texas, and I'm driving 25 miles an hour. And she said, I caught myself because I realized, wait a second, I'm not driving my old car anymore. I'm not in my old car. This car has power. This car has get up and go. And so she's like, so then I floored it. And I was like, boo, you know, and up she goes. I think the tragedy for us is that we are all driving the new self. God has given us the new self. It was created by God after his likeness. You have put it on if you're trusting in Jesus. And yet so many of us are living as though we're still wearing the old self. Now, I want to make sure that you don't misunderstand one thing. When we're talking about this old self, new self stuff, this isn't just an ethereal idea. Okay? This isn't just some kind of a, a scheme that if you can think the right way and apply this principle to your life, then things will get better. What we're talking about actually isn't just a principle, it's a person. Okay, it's a person. It is personal because the new self isn't just the new version of you, but it's Jesus coming to dwell in your hearts. Okay, I, I, I want you to realize this is how much God loves you. That he's willing not just to come down and to die for your sins, but he is willing to come up and take his abode in your home. 
He comes and lives with you. He lives in your heart. You know, it's funny because with so many of the Extreme Home Makeover shows, I've actually tried to do some research to find out what happens to the families after they take these houses on, right? Because they were used to living in like a one-bedroom, 400-square-foot thing, and now they're living in a 2,000-square-foot mansion that's got crazy, you know, and you just wonder, like, how are they going to get along? And I couldn't find anything. <laughs> I think they probably do. Maybe, maybe they try to cover that up. I don't know. Because, um, but what's amazing is that, yeah, after seven days, the family comes back, and, uh, and then they wish them a fond farewell. Good luck. You know, have a great life in your new home, and bye-bye. We'll see you later. Um, with God, though, he does this transformation, but he is part of the makeover. He is part of it, and he stays with you. He stays with you. So in terms of renewing your mind, this isn't, like what this is, it's just, it's remembering that Jesus is with you. It's remembering that your new self is him. It's him in your life. And so in in order to press into this, I mean, I, I challenge all of you, over the next seven days, starting today, for the next seven days, spend time thinking about this truth in your life. Okay? Every day for the next seven days, tell yourself, this is who I am. Right? This is what I need to know, and this is what I have come to be. That I am the new self. I have now been taught that believing in Jesus means my old self has been put off, and I can leave it off. And I've been, and I've put on a new self. Spell the next seven days, looking to experience this gospel reality. Because what if, what if you got a hold of this aspect of your relationship with Jesus? What if as a church, we were filled with people who were experiencing this putting off the old self and putting on the new? What would our relationships look like? What would our church look like? If we could become, if we could live the reality that Paul says is true about us today, what would that look like? I think we should find out. I think we should find out what we should look like. And so I want to give you a resolution that I want every one of you to take on. I want to give you a New Year's resolution that I'm hoping that you will take on today and stick with through Easter. Okay? Easter is on April 24th, about four months from now. I want to give you a resolution that I'm hoping each one of you will join me in. Okay? And the resolution is to seek to experience this transformation in such a way that every single one of us, every single one of you, would bring two people who don't know Jesus to our service on Easter. I want every one of you to take that on as a resolution. Christian or not, because if you're here and you're not a Christian, there's a reason that you're here and you get something out of being here. 
And so I want you as a non-Christian to bring two other non-Christians with you. Um, and, and the hope here, remember how I said this. I want you to experience this transformation in such a way that it would cause you to bring two folks who don't know Jesus to our service on Easter. And so the point here is that you would experience this transformation in a way so that you wouldn't help. What, because what if the people around you saw the change that was going on in your life? What if they heard you talking about, hey, look, um, I'm not trying to push this on anybody else, but I just want to tell you what I'm experiencing. I'm realizing that the things that I've struggled with, I, I've been able to put those things off because I have put on Jesus. And part of believing in him, he is changing my heart, he's changing my mind, and he is filling me with himself in a way that's making me a new person. And I think he can do the same thing for you. I want you to take that as a challenge. We're going to be talking about this. We're going to call it a season of loving our city. That's what we're going to do. We're going to try to build relationships over the next four months so that every single one of us will bring two folks who don't know Jesus to church on Easter. That's our hope. I hope you will take that challenge and that you'll start this week by every day this week meditating on these truths and praying them into reality in your life. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we, we thank you for your word. It speaks so powerfully, so profoundly. And Lord God, we need you to help make this true in our lives. Father, I know each one of us here, we struggle with the old self. We struggle with bringing, bringing that old self back, putting that old self back on and living as though we're in that old self. And we pray that you would help us to continually put our old self off, to remind ourselves, Lord, as we come to you in prayer, as we read your word this week, that each one of us, that each one of us would put our old self off every day and that we'd put on the Lord Jesus, that we would put him on, that we would sense him in our hearts so that we can live out this new self. Lord, help us to experience this transformation so that we would have good news to share with others. And Father, for those, um, for those folks who are here who are trusting in Jesus and aren't experiencing this yet at all, would you draw near to them with a fresh application of your forgiving grace? Would you wash them clean in the blood of Jesus and help them to make a new start? And for those folks who are here who aren't Christians yet, Lord, would you draw near to them and show them what's possible if they would just trust in Jesus? Father, we love you and we thank you for this good news that you have made us new. Help us this year as we look forward to be this new self. And we will give you the thanks and the praise in Jesus' name. Amen.